It's morphin' time. We talk about which wrestlers would make great Power Rangers, which wrestlers could benefit from Heyman's advocacy, the correct way to say the NXT champ's name, we hear from two stars from Impact Slammiversary, plus much more, next. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Wrestling Inc.'s Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. Hey, Kelsey, and we want to remind everybody, if you want to be a part of the show, we have polls, we encourage you to ask us questions. Just be a part of the show at Two Faced Pod. That's T W O F A C E D P O D. You can find us throughout social media and check out our website, twofacedpod.com. Yeah, that way you could find out where you can listen to us, all the platforms we're on with Wrestling Inc. and all of that good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, I've been putting the power to pick out my outfit, my wrestling t shirt, which I have hundreds of. And I'm not exaggerating, I do have hundreds of wrestling t-shirts. And, and you want hundreds more. I do. <laughs> Just last night I was saying, man, I want this one, I want that one. But if you want to vote and pick out which wrestling shirt I'm going to wear, I've been releasing polls on my Twitter. So Super Kicking It is where you can follow me, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And this week, the winner is the All In t-shirt logo. The choices were Mega Malonis, which is Brian Malonis' new t-shirt. It's a play on, you know, Mega Millions. I thought it was really clever, so I bought that shirt. Uh, and my new NWA logo t-shirt, which I really like as well. That almost won. It had very, very close to the percentage of the all-in t-shirt. Um, but, you know, all-in fever setting in. It's less than a month away, so that was the winner. Check me out on Twitter to vote in next week's poll. And I didn't have a poll to say which shirt I was going to wear. I just wore the Red Sox shirt to uh, annoy all you Yankee fans this weekend. Go Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we want to remind you about our friends at MyBookie.ag. Great partners of the show, of course, Raphael, who uh, gives us wrestling odds, will be with us next week as uh, Slam or, or excuse me, SummerSlam is right around the corner, and he'll have the odds for that. But football season's also right around the corner. In fact, the Hall of Fame game kicking off this weekend and mybookie.ag has a new promo code that uh, will be good all season long, which is 100% up to $1,000. And that promo started this week, and you can use the promo code KICKIT. That's K-I-C-K-I-T, and you can be a part of mybookie.ag. And uh, bet on football, bet on wrestling, and help support the show. Yeah, that would mean a lot to us, and I think you'd have a lot of fun in the process. Speaking of fun... We like to have fun on our podcast, but I want to remind everybody, things, you know, people take things really, really seriously sometimes <laughs> yeah. when we're talking opinions. Somebody's like, oh, I might really disagree. If I'm saying about how I don't like something from a promotion or I think one thing or they might think another, it's all okay, guys. If you have a difference of opinion, that's okay. Sometimes people don't see eye to eye. They disagree. But what we always do is we're respectful of others' opinions. So if you guys disagree, that's okay. You can even tweet us about why you disagree as long as it stays respectful. And, you know, I just think it's fun to be critical, but critical in a constructive way. And that's kind of how we look at wrestling. So just keep that in mind, guys. I know sometimes some things we say might 
great some people and they might disagree, but let's all just try to be friends and enjoy wrestling. Or if you disagree with us, you can go to hell. No, <laughs> that's so mean. All right, well, let's get right into it before we all go to hell. Uh, let's talk New Japan Pro Wrestling and the G1 Climax. Man, it's been some great, great matches going on. Really long, crazy, crazy tournament. What do you think? Yeah, when we left off with you, we were uh, seven nights through things, and now uh, as we record this at uh, 5 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, did not get through the action from August 2nd, but we're through August 1st. Things are starting to separate a little bit, but the cream of the crop right now is uh, Kenny Omega. He just uh, got done with a fantastic victory over Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Your guy, Kenny, looking to make a little history. Yeah, I mean, is he going to remain unbeaten? He's looking pretty good, and he if he goes into the finals again this year, it'll be his third G1 in a row where he makes it to the finals, which I don't think has been done before. No, I've got some numbers that Kevin Kelly, as you know, Kevin Kelly is detailed as can be. And I love that about him. Uh, he would be the first ever to go to three straight finals. He would be the first current New Japan champion to win, if he were to win it, in 18 years. And he's looking to be the first guy with a perfect record since the uh, G1 went to 20 men. And his most recent match against Zack Sabre Jr., he won in a, a really different way. Zack Sabre Jr., really dominant. Uh, first time these guys have fought in five years, which is pretty unbelievable, too. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. escaping the You Can't Escape, ironically enough, twice <laughs> to turn that into a submission hold. But I thought the coolest thing, Kenny goes to hit the V-trigger and... Zach catches him and turns in a half Boston Crab. Uh, just the innovation of, of Zach Saber Jr., who really dominated the match, and Kenny wins it on that roll-up. And, of course, Zach flipped out, and, of course, Kevin Kelly was all afraid that Zach was going to destroy the announce table or something. A lot of our new listeners might not know about our love affair with Zach Saber Jr., <laughs> how we started off not that big of fans of him, because, you know, technical wrestling and mat-based stuff sometimes can be an acquired taste. And at first, we didn't see, like, what the big fuss was all about. But then the more and more we watched him, especially in the New Japan Cup, he was so great in that. And his heel work has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Just since he's joined Suzuki Gun, it's really, I think, added depth to his character and to his wrestling, really. I think since then, we've just liked him more and more. And then seeing him at the PWG show in California mm -hmm. a couple months ago, that was awesome, too. What have you thought about the the firing squad and uh, what how they've wreaked havoc in this? I know I know the fans in Japan certainly not a fan of the, all the heel work and their interference, but uh, I think they're playing their roles perfectly. Oh, I love it because it's something different. It at first I was predicting that Tama Tonga would have a great performance in this G one tournament, but it's actually been the opposite. He's been disqualified a lot. You know, losing points doesn't have very high total at all. But you know what? I think that's the way to go because they're playing the heel faction perfectly. And it's kind of funny. They're doing their jobs really, really well because they're getting booed. Mm -hmm. And Rocky Romero pointed out that's kind of rare for a Japanese audience to boo people. But well, and they made a point of, uh, I think it was Kevin Kelly that said, you know, it seems like they're more interested in wreaking havoc on the tournament. And that really has been the storyline. Uh, you know, Tonga Loa, you... If you didn't know better, you would think he was in the tournament because he spent so much time in the, in the, in the ring. So. Well, let's talk about that awesome intro rap he did for 
Tamatonga, and I think that was against Zack Sabre Jr. That was so good. It all rhymed. It was awesome. And then, of course, the little jabs that Tamatonga's been doing against Roman Reigns. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it started last week, but it's ramped up this week as well, and it just continues to go on and on. Beyond their Twitter feud, just whenever Tamatonga's coming out, he's doing the, you know, the fist pump thing. Yep, the little wrist lock, or wrist cock thing, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous and great, and I love it. <laughs> and I love how he did the wrist cock into a, a flip-off the other day. That was. <laughs> and I love how he said, like, you know, yard? I don't care about your yard. What's a yard to the whole world? <laughs> so he, like, you know, he got the whole world. He could do whatever he wants. I love that. Great, great, great heel work. One of the guys that's really stood out to me uh, in this tournament, even though the wins haven't been there, uh, Ishii. His matches have been great. The match against Naito, where they were just beating the heck out of each other. That was just an unbelievable match. Um, and then the the match against Ibushi is one of the matches of the tournament so far for I me. I know you don't you don't love Ibushi, but he's a great wrestler, and Ishii is one of my favorites of all time. So I love Ishii. Anything that he's involved with to me is gold. He had a great match against Zack Sabre Jr. in the tournament mm -hmm. as well. I marked that one down in our notes with stars because I really really enjoyed it. Great clash because we've seen them meet up in tag matches when Zack Sabre Jr. is working with Suzuki. In mm -hmm. fact, that was building up to the meetup between Suzuki and Ishii when they had their one-on-one -on -one match in Rev Pro. So leading up to that, Zack Sabre Jr. and Ishii had been on opposite sides a lot. But this is like, you know, the first time in a while I've seen them in a singles match since we saw them in person mm -hmm. during WrestleCon right, weekend. Right, right, uh, Good stuff with them. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Ibushi because he, he's he's had some moments of the match. We saw the one against Zack Sabre Jr. We talked about that last week. This week, the flipping off of the uh, the, the the front of the stands, backflip, you know, the cameras, it was so dark back there you couldn't even catch it, but it kind of added to the drama with the flash bulbs going off and all that. Uh, Ibushi's had himself a good showing, and he followed it up with a win against Goto. So uh, Ibushi is there, but... Uh, Obviously, he's going to have to go on a run to make that final match against Kenny Omega mean anything. You know what my favorite Ibushi moment is from the tournament? Yes, I know. When he lost against Yano. Yes. That was my favorite moment. Well, well it was quite unexpected. Yes. That was cool. And I have to admit, a little of the Yano-Naito match amused me the other night uh, from a couple nights ago uh, where uh, Yano crawled under the ring and Naito was posing in the ring and Yano came up behind him and then... Uh, Naito was the one that used the tape and taped Yanu to the railing, and, yeah. and the 20 count was about to happen, and Yanu brought the whole railing into the ring with him so he could break the count. Uh, I actually laughed, and that's rare for Good. me for Yanu. Um, Suzuki started slow in this tournament, but he's, uh, he's on, on a roll fire, now. and he's winning matches with the thing that Callis always tells him not to finish the match with. Yeah, I know. Uh, Callus has always been like, no, no, don't let go of the sleeper, don't let go of the sleeper. And Callus always kind of paints the story on commentary that the gotch pile driver is his weakness because he always goes for it too soon when he could just end it with the sleeper hold. And yet, Suzuki's been winning with it. And against bigger guys, I like that. Like against Elgin, he won with that gotch style pile driver. I loved the way that looked. Very well done. Who else did he use uh, he's, the pile driver? He's done on? it three straight matches now. He did it against Jay White. Then the match you just talked about about against Elgin, and then the match most recently against Evil. Uh, and that was surprised, too, because Evil was on a hot streak. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of points. He was tied with the leaders. And then now that Suzuki beat him, it's a different story. So we're heading into the final few matches of the G1. It's been uh, good. 
And uh, Jay White continues to torment the broadcasters. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is it his goal to mess up the broadcasting team and the broadcasts, you know, itself? Because it started in the US G1 special show. Right. Where that was obviously an accident, but I think he's playing it up now. I think that's kind of like he's using it to it as... To his advantage, that's kind of part of his heel work now. I like it. Well, he knocked them literally off the air, uh, or off the uh, uh, audio-wise at least, uh, for a good part of uh, the show three nights ago, four nights ago. And, uh, you know, then he was he was doing it again in front of the announcers the other night. And, and Kevin Kelly's like, come on, come on, get no. Away, get away from us, yeah. I love so. when Kevin Kelly says, come on, yeah. no. Uh, so good stuff, and uh, we're heading into the final or final week. Yeah, and keep up with us, like I said, on Twitter. Not to reiterate this too much, but we're going to be doing some live stuff after the G1 finals and semifinals. One, I'll probably be tweeting about it, and two, I think I'm going to do some kind of video reaction. Yep, yep, and that will be uh, we'll remind you of that again next week as well. Let's uh, turn our attention to WWE, and uh, the big storyline is uh, Lesnar and. Uh, and Heyman, are they are they on their way to a breakup, Kelsey? I think so. <laughs> it's the beginning of the end of the advocate-client relationship, I think. And, you know, it's about time. I think other wrestlers could benefit from Heyman's experience, from his vocal aptitude. I think, you know, a lot of different wrestlers have the potential to benefit from being paired with him. But who is it going to be? Who do you think could benefit well, I mean, I'll even go back to something we talked about on the podcast months ago. I think he'd be great with Asuka, but that was more when she was dominating. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, her English has gotten better, but, you know, she could totally benefit from a Paul Heyman. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him with a couple of people, to be honest. I, I'd like to see him with maybe one man and one woman even. Yeah, I mean, I love Ronda Rousey possibly. I think that would be a good pair up for sure. People are saying probably Roman Reigns. I don't want to see that. <laughs> but uh, maybe it's the only way to get him over with the crowd. I don't know. Do you think that would really work? Well, I mean, look, they've tried everything else to try and get Roman over, and uh, maybe this would be it. I don't, I don't think so, though. But it will be interesting to see if he gets involved at SummerSlam, which obviously we'll talk about more next week, but you wonder if he's going to inadvertently cause or purposely cause Brock Lesnar to lose. I think he could. Yeah. I think that's a real possibility. I'm actually excited about the matchup in terms of storyline. I mean, it's a match we've seen so many times, but this Paul Heyman element makes it a little different at least. It almost reminds me of that awesome CM Punk Brock Lesnar match Mm -hmm. from a few years ago that I love and a lot of that story from that match centered around Paul Heyman Mm -hmm. and that's one of my favorite matches of all time because of the involvement of Heyman. So again this could really elevate this whole feud because it's it could be stale otherwise. I gotta be honest that there wasn't much else from Raw that really stood out to me. Um, You know there were a couple good matches but not nothing great but Let's uh, shift to SmackDown and the continuing feud between uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy and where Shinsuke fits into this. And, uh, you know, Orton comes down to ringside again, uh, tells Shinsuke to finish off Hardy, and then uh, proceeds to beat the heck out of Hardy. Uh, 
I don't know if they're setting up a triple threat there. That'll be interesting to see if it'll just be a one-on-one between Hardy or, and Orton. But I will say this. Randy Orton is so much better as a heel. As a face, he just doesn't have the personality to be a baby face to me. I mean, as a heel, he's great. I feel like he can do both. I don't exactly 100% agree with you. I feel like as a babyface, he can work. He's a very versatile guy in terms of character work. But he is best as a heel. He's so good with his heel work. And this reminds me, I actually, a few years ago, read this book. It's called 101 WWE Matches to See Before You Die. And it had some weird choices for its matches. One of the choices was Randy Orton versus Shane McMahon. And let me just tell you what year that's from. That's from 2009. It was a no-holds-barred match at No Way Out. And yes, it's a random match to kind of use as an example, but Randy Orton's heel work and character work, most importantly, was really on point and very, very good in that match. I'm just going to read a quick excerpt from that book because he kind of talks about how great Orton is at character and how rare that is and how a character is really a lot different from a gimmick. Mm -hmm. So here's the excerpt. To perform a character convincingly requires an ability to commit to the fiction and ensure your audience loses sight of the fact that what they are seeing is a fabrication. In professional wrestling, it seems like a rarity to come across such strong character-driven work. It is important to understand the definitions being used here and the difference between character and gimmick. The former is established over a number of months or perhaps years and conditions the fans into expecting certain mannerisms, actions, and reactions predisposing them to know how a particular character would react in any given situation. For example, the fans would expect the sociopathic Viper character portrayed by Randy Orton to react differently in any given situation to how the confidence-exuding best-in-the-world character portrayed by CM Punk would. Conversely, the term gimmick gives a more one-dimensional impression. It is not about progression or growth or semantics or anything, really. It is purely surface-level portrayal that constantly threatens to devolve into parody. Repo Man... Manitar were gimmicks. Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Ultimate Warrior, and others are quite the opposite. Fully realized three-dimensional characters that could be built upon, fashioned, formed, and then deployed with greater creative liberalism. Yep, that's, I think, a good uh, definition because he is not a gimmick. He is uh, a character, and uh, I, I, again, I, I like the character as a heel better, for sure. I do too, and I think a lot of people kind of forget how good Orton is, because a lot of times they're like, oh, we see him all the time, he's stale, and he kind of falls into a pattern, and I think that's what happens more when he's a babyface, that's, like, that's why this kind of turn back to being a pure heel was needed, so I'm excited to see what he's going to do moving forward, I do think his, even his heel work's not as strong as it used to be, like back in 2009 and even before, but uh, I'm still intrigued, and I really do like this Randy Orton we're seeing right now. Well, speaking of heels, uh, a promo by Samoa Joe has gotten mixed reactions uh, throughout Twitter uh, as they set up the big match between him and AJ Styles. Of course, these two have history from TNA. Um, I am super excited about this. I have been waiting for this match since the two of these guys were finally on the same brand. But even once Samoa Joe came up, uh, from NXT, I was hoping that this match was going to happen at some point. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And I, I liked Samoa Joe's uh, promo this past week, kind of insinuating that the uh, title is more important to AJ Styles than even his own family, and uh, kind of got some oohs and ahs from the crowd for sure. Yeah, and I, I saw some things on Twitter. People were like, I don't know how to feel about this. It's kind of a 
came off really weird. But, you know, I'm excited for the match itself, regardless of the promo. I think it's going to be a great match. And, man, look at back at all the TNA meetings. So, so good. good. Especially that three-way match with Christopher Daniels added mm -hmm. in. One of the best three-ways ever. So, I know it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I lost interest in TNA for a long time, but... Those were the matches when I was paying attention, or even if I knew it was happening, I would watch because those those are two of the best in the business. And to me, it is the match of SummerSlam. Um, to me, there's no question about it. Yeah, but it's not going to main event. No, you I know, know it Brock will. will. No, of course it will. I, it may not even be second to last. Man, <laughs> I, I don't know. It should be higher up on the card, and I don't care what is the main event to me. Like you said, that's the match of the night, and that's going to be my main event. Uh, finally, uh, a match we knew was coming. They, they've, you know, I, I liked that both guys alluded to this. Uh, they've set the bar or the uh, the groundwork for this even before Daniel Bryan looked like he was coming back to wrestling. But Miz, Daniel Bryan had a great promo, and uh, I think uh, I think that's going to be a great match and eagerly anticipated too. I, I mean, SummerSlam is really kind of coming together as as a pretty good pay per view here. Yeah, I don't want to get my hopes up too high because when that happens i'm always disappointed but i'm doing it anyway i am kind of a little bit excited for it i gotta say in terms of a wwe pay-per-view it might be the most excited i've been for one in a long long time i mean even wrestlemania i was really excited but that was mostly because we were going to be there i'm talking about a pay-per-view we're going to witness at home watching away from being there live so in terms of that this is the one i'm looking forward to the most all right, so WWE's got a huge pay-per-view coming up. Impact just coming off of their biggest pay-per-view or one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year. And again, we remind you, even though we released the show on Friday, we record it before Thursday night's Impact. So, you know, we won't address what happened in Impact on uh, Thursday night. But going back to the previous week's Impact, uh, you loved the Sammy Callahan thing in the bathroom. Oh, my God, that was so weird. It was creepy, it was strange, but somehow it worked. I love the way it was filmed, and I love how they were randomly attacking some guy in the bathroom. Simi Callahan's like, tell me I'm pretty, tell me I'm pretty, or something along those lines. It was so weird. <laughs> but it worked for him because he is crazy and just off the walls. It's, it's Sammy. It was great. He's great. And uh, you mentioned the word creepy. Speaking of creepy, this is getting a lot of play uh, throughout social oh. media. Uh, Don Callis and his reaction um, to the ladies, and specifically to the new edition. Um, I told this to you after we watched it. You know, I think he's trying to kind of beat Jerry Lawler-esque, you know, about the ladies, which brings up a whole other argument of, you know, what we've talked about in the past, like last week with Evolution. Are we making them into sex symbols or are we making them into wrestlers? Mm hmm but Lawler did it kind of in a goofy, funny, like, puppies and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. Whereas Callus is coming across like a stalker. It's just... <laughs> or just, like, really creepy. Yeah. It's... Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's odd. It's no. weird. No, it, it is really weird. And I know he... Because when you said that it creeped you out, like, I knew it was weird. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Look, I... I just thought, just the way he talks is just, I don't know, it's just, it's stalker-esque. And knowing that he's the boss yeah. of them, like, in actuality, that's a little weird, too. But I will address this. So, on his 
podcast, Killing the Town, which is one of my favorite podcasts ever. He talks about how he doesn't know why there was such negative reaction. And at first, he kept seeing, like, all the live positive reaction when it was actually happening. He was on Twitter and keeping up with everything. He thought it went off really well. <laughs> then, come to find out a little bit after, he checks and it's all this negative <laughs> stuff. Like, what the heck? This is painting women in a really weird way. And Callis is like, oh, I thought it was like a positive thing. Like, you know, she could dress however she wants. If she wants to look this good, she'll do it. She doesn't need a man to tell her how to dress. So he thought it was like a positive spin on it and that she's running with it and she's doing a great job with it. So he's defending it on his podcast. And if you want to see the transcription of some of the podcasts, go to WrestlingInc.com. They've got an article about it with some quotes or you could listen to Killing the Town. Either way, check out how he defends it. <laughs> I could see his point in a way, but I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> it seems weird. And actually, people were questioning, is this kind of like an answer to the WWE Evolution pay-per-view? Like, is he trying to do the opposite just to be the opposite? He addressed that on the podcast as well and said, no, he doesn't even watch WWE. He's too busy. Well, if he doesn't watch it, he's got somebody watching it. I I, guess. I don't buy, I've told you this on podcasts before, I've been around professional athletes and coaches for 25 years. When they say they don't watch things, they lie most of the time. They, they are, at the very least, aware of what is going on. And let me just say, like, we just said a whole bunch of critical things about Impact, but overall, I have been enjoying the way the product oh, yeah. has been turning a corner. I do think they're making strides, regardless of this whole random <laughs> new addition to the knockouts, and regardless of some of the other, you know, corny things they do, like the stand-ups with uh, Matthews and Catalyst. Regardless of all that, I really do like what they're doing. And Slammiversary was great, as we addressed last week. I really did like it. The matches were awesome. And one of the matches that happened on Slammiversary was Cage versus Slidell. But we were a little critical of that match, thinking that it could have been better. They met up again. What did you think? I thought their, their showing on uh, on Impact TV last week was a great match, and I thought it was better than the pay-per-view. I thought it was really good and really really showed those guys off uh, for their talents. Uh, I still think the matches could be longer. Um, and I know, because we've seen Brian Cage in person, we know he's not like you know Goldberg. They can only go like mm-hmm. eight minutes, you know. So I, I'm hoping they're going to give him a little more freedom for some long matches. I mean, he's still kind of new to Impact in a lot of ways. So I'm hoping they're going to give him more freedom because he's so good. Yeah, and I think maybe there's shorter matches overall on Impact, just like there are shorter matches on WWE right. TV. I think it's just kind of like a thing with mainstream wrestling, as in mainstream as in they have big TV deals. We're a little spoiled from watching the G1 recently and all those longer matches, so it's easy to say, oh, it could be longer, but they just don't have the time to do that on TV. Going back to Slammiversary, like I said, it was a great show, and one of our good friends and followers, at underscore Snacksaber Jr. on Twitter, she asked us what our favorite moment or match of the Slammiversary pay-per-view was, and what did you think? Well, I, I, I've said it last week, I had a 1 and a 1A. I mean, Sammy and Pentagon were amazing and easily could have been the match of the night. But I really, really liked uh, LAX and the OGs. And I, I put that one just slightly ahead of Callahan and uh, Pentagon. So that, that, for me, was the match of the night. And speaking of LAX, we actually got to be on a teleconference call with them this week. Yep, they had a chance to talk about their uh, upcoming match with the Young Bucks on the uh, Jericho Cruise. I had a chance to ask about uh, that Slammiversary pay-per-view, but it all started 
with uh, a, a question that I thought was interesting, and we don't hear it enough uh, from wrestlers or their answers about it. Who are their wrestling idols? My favorite wrestler of all time is Bret the Hitman Hart, and of course, you know, uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, the Chris Benoit's. There's a few, but my, my idol, idol, I have to say, Bret Hart. He was the one who, who got me into wrestling. Uh, yeah, for me, definitely, of course, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, my number one of all time will always be, always be uh, Christopher Daniels. Uh, just his smoothness and his work in the ring, like, just flawless. And the fact that he's still going and he's still putting on, like, five-star matches at his age, and he's just, like, he's a vampire. <laughs> he just keeps going. Uh, but yeah, I, and I just, I could go off on a tangent and start naming a bunch of people, Kenta Kobashi, Masawa. I'm more of a Japanese wrestling, uh, uh, fan. And that's kind of what brought me into the world and made me want to be a wrestler. Takamichi Noku, Dick Togo, stuff like that. I love early nineties Michinoku Pro. Hey guys, this is Paul Boron from Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. Uh, you kind of touched on it at the beginning of the teleconference, but I want to get your thoughts on, uh, just how much pride you guys take and being such a large part of a pay-per-view that was so critically acclaimed. Uh, I was, it was definitely, yeah, man, like, um, you know, everything that we put together as far as this, um, this feud and, and everything, it's, it's, it's been something great. And the fact that, uh, that all of us have put in, you know, our everything into making this work and pretty much putting out a ghetto soap opera is what we like to call it. And, um, and yeah, and, and thankfully Impact has had the confidence in us to, to put this together and, and make it legit and make it something huge. And, um, you know, they put us in that position and, uh, we delivered and we've been delivering. So, yeah. I, I couldn't say it better myself. Uh, let's talk about your match against the Young Bucks, uh, on the Jericho Cruise. How much does this match mean to you? Yeah, you can start it, Ortiz. Yeah, you want me to start it? Um, yeah. I, we've, uh, we've set out goals for our, ourselves throughout our career. And uh, just wrestling each and every tag team, that's a legitimate tag team. We've wrestled the Briscoes over in Germany. We've wrestled all the, mostly all the old school New York City tag team guys. And just built up. And there's not many teams for us left to wrestle. And the Young Bucks have always been up there for us, of course. They're... Definitely the, the 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 top of the tag team wrestling scene. They're they're one of them. Uh, to um, to not go off too much of a tangent, they're they're one of the the elite uh, elite guys. That's why they have the team. They're elite. But uh, we've we've set out so many goals for ourselves, and this is the one goal like right now, and that's gonna take us to the next level. And we we know wrestling them is is gonna put us in that spotlight and showing the world that what we can do. Uh, as far as just being able to to match their skill and and go toe to toe with them, and, and honestly, it's it, it it's very 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 exciting. Like we're so excited for it, and we're we're training for it. Uh, it's just we we can't wait. I'm anxious, as you can see in the promo. I was jumping around. I want to do it right now. I'm ready to go. Yeah, and and uh, you know, like honestly, it's it's. it's um, so many people have wanted this match to happen years ago, and I'm so glad that it didn't. And I'm I'm really glad that it's happening now, where uh, you know 
the both both teams are at the top of their their game, and and we're you know putting out some of the best stuff, and um, and yeah, it's 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 two of the best tag teams in the world. I enjoyed hearing from LAX, and man, am I excited about LAX versus Young Bucks. As I said, it's kind of like a matchup that we have not seen, which is a rarity these days mm -hmm. because everyone's faced everyone else in one way or another most of the time. So I'm going to be there in fluent person on the cruise. Anybody else going on the cruise, tweet at me. I'd like to know. Uh, we could meet up and enjoy this match in person. It's going to be so exciting, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing match uh, to... Two of the uh, best tag teams in the world right now. Yep, and um, speaking of the Young Bucks, All In, as we kind of said before, is basically less than a month away now. I'm really excited about that. You and I are going to be at StarCast on Podcast Row. That's on Saturday, the day of All In. Really, really excited. And the new NWA video on YouTube. Check them out on YouTube. In that video, we still see that Cody and Aldis are still going to have that match, which I'm very excited about. I'm Still glad we're going to see them meet up. It would have been a whole different thing if Flip had, you know, won that match against Aldis and it would have been Flip versus Cody. That would have been interesting. But I kind of like this whole story of Aldis. He's been getting better in terms of more people know about him. Mm -hmm. So he's become more interesting in that sense. And another cool thing that happened in this latest NWA video is the premiere of the song All In, which is done by the same band who does Cody Rhodes' theme song. I'm really, really liking the song. It was just a teaser of the song, so go check it out. NWA on YouTube. It's a great song. Very catchy. Yeah, by the band Downstate, and like you said, they do Cody Rhodes' entrance music, which is uh, really good as well. I think they've done a WWE theme song as well. I just can't remember which one. Let's wrap up our headlines with uh, the most recent edition of uh, NXT and their setting the groundwork for uh, the TakeOver Brooklyn, which is shaping up to be a great show. Uh, Mustache Mountain going to invoke their rematch clause against the Undisputed Era. The first two matches in that series have been great, so can't wait for that. Kyrie Sane is going to take on Shayna Baszler. That's a rematch of the May Young Classic final. And also this week, uh, in a May Young Classic rematch, Baszler took on Candice LeRae. Great match. Uh, great work by Baszler. Uh, really working the arm of Candice LeRae. And then uh, beating LeRae at the end and Kyrie Sane coming out to the rescue uh we'll talk about this more next week but uh and we talked about baszler last week she's on a roll right now yeah in fact we said last week she's one of the scariest heels <laughs> in wwe as a whole not just female wrestlers not just in nxt but the whole wwe roster she's very believable i'm loving what she's doing in nxt right now as the champ perfect decision i think to put the belt on her because Although she might not have started off as a big name down there, she's really made her mark in her character work, and she just gets better and better. And I think it's really grooming her to be somebody important when she does finally move up to the main roster. And another thing I'm very excited about is Keith Lee. He's debuting next week. He's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Bask in his glory. I have one of his shirts, by the way. You could vote. Maybe I'll wear that in a future episode. He's one of my favorites. Well, and we may have to insert the uh, phone video of of you oh yeah uh from pwg when uh, he was battling chucky e. t literally right next to you yeah there's a picture where they're like it's a little blurry but it shows them both right in front of me because literally 
Keith Lee had Chucky e. T on his shoulder. I was right in front of him. Beers were spilling everywhere, and Keith Lee just goes, move! <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, I moved out of the way, but it was so great. I don't really think I have video of that, but I definitely have a blurry picture. One blurry I've picture. got a mental image of the whole thing, and, and I still remember the bartenders reacting to all the action going on right in front of them. If you hear that PWG is a one-of-a-kind experience, it's not an exaggeration. <laughs> it's completely true. It was so much fun. Check it out. If you ever have the chance to go to a show, go. Uh, also on this week's NXT, setting up uh, EC3 versus Dream, Ricochet versus Adam Cole at the pay-per-view. Those both seem to be great matches. And it ended with Tommaso Ciampa on the mic. And notice I said Ciampa. Yep, because guess what? We found out the correct way to say it because Ciampa, apparently, <laughs> he tweeted about the pronunciation. Very strange timing. Eight hours after our podcast dropped, approximately, give or take, he tweeted out, for all you ignorant podcasters out there and journalists, it's pronounced champa. <laughs> so there you go. He confirmed it for I think, us. I think he might also be extenuating the fact that he is the champ. And so that's the pronunciation champa. Uh, his mic segment was great. Best part of it, though, was he when he climbed out of the ring and got right in front of the old lady with the infamous when she gave him the thumbs down boo, you know, when he was doing the uh, mic segment. A few months ago, leading up to the Gargano, she's so cute. He went right up to her and taunted her with the belt. I thought that was uh, that was great. And uh, Gargano came into the ring as Alistair Black's music hit. He came running down, uh, and then Alistair Black ends up kicking Gargano and saying, "You know, you're the reason that Champa won the belt." So interesting to see what ends up happening there. Could be a triple threat, maybe. I don't know. It's going to be a great weekend of wrestling with Takeover and SummerSlam. I'm pretty excited like i said before it's gonna be a great weekend speaking of excited i know kelsey is really excited about our pop and wrestling connection coming up in our next segment i will have very limited input i can tell you that right now it is wrestling and the mighty morphin power rangers check it out it's morphin time <laughs> St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for my absolute favorite segment, the Pop and Wrestling Connection. And this week, as Paul said a little bit ago, it's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers themed, and that is my childhood. That's literally like the one show that defined the whole thing for me. My favorite show. I still love it to this day. In fact, I dressed up later in life as the Red Ranger. I dressed up as the Red Ranger when I was eight, and then again, like in my early 20s. And I made the costume. It was a very cute version of the Red Ranger. You say this is your favorite segment. It's my favorite segment when <laughs> when I I know what I'm talking about, and uh, this would not be the case. Although I think I have a good answer on, on, on your question, though. You do, because Cause... somehow ignorance is bliss, and it makes you apparently a genius. Nice. 
So, I don't know. My ignorance led to brilliance. It did. It really, really did. Wait till you hear his answer. But first, our scenario is, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers have retired. Zordon chooses wrestlers to replace them. Who does he choose to replace the Rangers? Which colors and why? All right. And so we're going to start with uh, at Drunk on Tacos, which may be one of my favorite Twitter handles ever. Uh, he goes red AJ Styles. White green with Seth Rollins, yellow with Bailey, pink with Asuka, black with Kofi Kingston, and blue with Xavier Woods. There's going to be a similar theme threading through some of these answers with the Blue Ranger. Uh, we'll see who says what, but uh, his picks really, they make a lot of sense. AJ Styles, of course, because he's a leader. Seth Rollins, because he could be a face or a heel. The other ones are pretty self-explanatory. I think they were pretty good picks. Our next question comes from at Good Bad Wrestle. Every Power Ranger is someone from 205, as I don't watch that either. So you're not alone. Someone else has never seen the Power Rangers, and they don't watch 205 Live. Well, it has to be Graham. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Um, I watch 205 Live, but I've never seen a second of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, All right, next one is from at Metal underscore 2006. Red, Adam Cole, because of his leadership of Bullet Club and Undisputed Era. Blue. Bailey, she started off kind of nerdy, but has transformed into a strong competitor. Black, Kenny Omega, he's a clever, quick-witted, and uses strength and agility. Pink, Allie from Impact, their fighting style fits perfect. Uh, yellow, Chelsea Green, Laurel Van Ness, Sabretooth Tigers are strong, but also can become crazy. <laughs> and green-white, Finn Balor, because of the different personalities he has. I like that uh, split personality one because for those of us who haven't seen the show, the Green Ranger starts off as like a bad guy, then he turns to a good guy later. He's under like the spell of Rita, who's like the head bad guy of the show. And when I say for those of us who don't know, I really mean you. Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know anything about a Green Ranger, but I, I, I did like the Green Lantern as a kid. Well, Green Lantern's pretty cool, so you get a pass on that. At least that's kind of cool. All right, so our next answer comes from Good Guy Dave. He has a very cool scenario that I enjoyed. The original Power Rangers are retiring, and Zordon needs replacements. A wrestling convention has come to Angel Grove, and wrestlers from around the world have come to sell merch and compete. Zordon, in his wisdom, looks at this as the perfect opportunity for an upgrade after the whiny teenagers with attitude. He wants brutes with ruthless aggression instead. He gives strict instructions to Alpha 5 to teleport five different wrestlers to the command center. The Red Ranger is Will Ospreay. His heart of gold, his never-say-die attitude, his will to keep moving forward makes him a natural leader. The Black Ranger is ACH. For such a large man, his agility, quickness, and ability to think quickly made him an easy pick for the Black Ranger. The Blue Ranger is Marty Skrull, whose quick wits and intelligence makes him the best fit for the position. The Yellow Ranger would be Kyrie Sane, because of her elbow drop is the very definition of fearless. The Pink Ranger would be Peyton Royce for two reasons. You need someone a bit vain and for Kyrie to look good next to. All of these wrestlers gather and wonder what's going on since they were just in the convention moments ago. Zordon explains the situation, gives them their power coins and morphers, and tells them to look at the viewing globe. There, they see the Six Ranger, who they don't know is a brainwashed Daniel Bryan, and he's causing havoc in Angel Grove. The Rangers leave to stop the evil Green Ranger. I love this scenario, so well thought out, so many actual references to the show. Really, really great job, Dave. I love that answer. Our next one is from at PCH Nilbog. Uh, his answer is red is Tetsuya Naito because he's a natural born leader. 
Blue is Rusev because of all the Power Rangers missions are on Rusev Day. Pink is going to be Jordan Grace since she's the absolute best woman in wrestling today. Yellow is Pentagon Jr. because every team needs a good arm breaker. Green is Sammy Callahan because he swings a bat like Barry Bonds. And black is Tessa Blanchard because she is my absolute favorite wrestler on Impact. Great choices there, and I'll tell you that actually I wanted to pick Naito as my Red Ranger. So you stole my Red <laughs> Ranger, and I like to do different answers. So uh, because of that, I didn't pick Naito, but that was a great choice for the Red Ranger. Who, by the way, is my favorite Ranger out of all the Power Rangers. Everyone loved the green slash white Ranger Tommy. Me, I always thought Jason was the true, real leader. Yeah, me too. Yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. So next uh, answer comes from The Mad Attack at The Mad Attack UK. And you know what? He's a big fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, so he was super excited to give me his answer, and I can't wait to read it to you guys. He says, okay, here's my picks for the MMPR team. It's Morphin time. Red Ranger has to be an awesome leader, so I'm picking the man who led the WWE locker room for decades, The Undertaker. Pink Ranger, a stereotypical spoiled brat, has to be Carmella. Blue Ranger, a scientist or a techie, so I'm picking someone who's always able to put on a technical masterclass in the ring, Kurt Angle. Yellow Ranger, a profound martial artist, Ronda Rousey. Black Ranger, someone who can dance and is very popular, so I'm picking Rikishi. <laughs> Such great answer so far. And lastly, the Green Ranger, has to be someone who started as evil and turned to the side of good. Could go for Seth Rollins or Chris Jericho, but my pick for the Green Ranger, someone who started as a heel and went on to be the face and treated in the same vein by their fan bases as Tommy Oliver, it has to be John Cena, doctor of thugonomics to the leader of the Cena Nation. Very, very good picks. In fact, that's got to be close to my favorite answer, tied with Dave's. All right. Next one is from at ZACSHI130. Uh, he picks Bailey for the Yellow Ranger, Xavier Woods for Blue, uh, Allie from Impact in the Pink, Jay Lethal for Red, Seth Rollins for Green, and Kenny King for Black. Yellow is lovable, Blue is smart, Pink is a cutie, Red is the leader, Green is badass, and Black is the ladies' man. I think his Red pick is the best. Jay Lethal is such a good choice. Obviously a great leader over in Ring of Honor and I love that choice. Alright, so now Paul, you get to answer. Alright, so obviously I I think we have established I know nothing about this. All I know is their colors of their uniforms. So that's how I made my choices. By, by the colors of what they wear. Alright, so here are my choices and again strictly by color of their uniforms. Red, obviously Kane, the big red monster. Why not? Uh, yellow, gold dust. Green, stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. Or what's up with that? Whichever, whichever line you'd like to use. Pink, could go with Bret Hart, but I, I went with Natalia on that one. Blue, how about the blue meanie? Perfect. Don't get a blue meanie reference very often. And then black, actually was my hardest one. Uh... I went between either Undertaker or Finn Balor when he's completely painted black and as the demon. So I thought your choices were so good. I couldn't believe you came up with such great choices. I really love them, actually. And um, like right. I said, your ignorance just makes for genius answers because this is like the third time you didn't know anything about the topic and it still came out good. I don't know how, but I liked it a lot. Because I am brilliant at pulling things out of my posterior. So, so those are mine. 
And now uh, we'll go to one that's kind of similar, and I'm guessing this person actually knows what they're talking about, <laughs> as opposed to just picking colors like like somebody who picks an NCAA basketball pool just by team names or something. Uh, this is from at uh, JA113, uh, red, he also chose Kane, pink, Sasha, if there was a purple one, I would have chosen her for that too, yellow, Asuka, green, Hurricane Helms, black, the Velveteen Dream, and blue, Finn Balor. Yeah, he went with colors as well for some of the picks, and they were good, but I will admit, your answer was turned in first, so you did not see that tweet <laughs> no, I did before not. you concocted your answer, no, so I, I will not. defend you there. You had very you know, unique answers that you just got on your own. Yes. All right, so all those were great answers, and uh, right before I give my answer, I'm going to give someone who actually took what would have been some of my answers, and that's at Take the Bump Pod, who made this awesome picture <laughs> of all the wrestlers as the Power Rangers. Great Photoshop work. He tremendous picked, Photoshop work. <laughs> yes, he picked Xavier Woods as the Blue Ranger, which is a common you know theme that we've seen with these answers. Becky Lynch as the Yellow Ranger. He picked Cody Rhodes as the Green Ranger, which is what I wanted to pick originally, but I went a different direction after I saw this picture. Kenny Omega as the Red Ranger, obviously the leader of Bullet Club. That makes sense. He picked Candice LeRae as the Pink Ranger, perfect Pink Ranger, and then he picked Seth Rollins as the Black Ranger. I think his Photoshop work is unbelievable. But the Cody Rhodes one looks like that could actually be the... Like, a couple are obvious photoshops. Cody's looks like that's actually real, and so does Xavier. Yeah, Xavier's especially. <laughs> I really, really love it. I think it was great. And he said it's obvious why he chose, so he didn't give his reasons. But it is obvious. I mean, Cody Rhodes, because he was a heel, and now he's back to being a babyface, perfect Green Ranger, since that's what the character does in the show. And like I said, the Bullet Club leader for the leader of the Power Rangers. And everyone loves the sweetheart, Kimberly, in the show, the Pink Ranger. And here he's got her as Candice LeRae. Perfect, perfect choices. Now, I will say, so he put Xavier Woods as the Blue Ranger. A couple other people did, like I said. And I'm thinking to myself, Xavier Woods is a huge Power Ranger fan, but why would you put him as the Blue Ranger? Because he has a history of loving the Black Ranger. It's documented, for heaven's sakes. Uh, and actually, I didn't even realize this since we were at Mania. I must not have picked up on it. He even did a Mighty Morphin Power Ranger tribute in their entrance during WrestleMania this year in New Orleans. How could you not notice that? I noticed it. No, you didn't. <laughs> okay, maybe not. He uh, played on his trombone the Green Ranger theme. I totally missed that. But uh, Jason David Frank, who plays the Green Ranger, tweeted about it and said, Oh my gosh, what the heck? A tribute at WrestleMania? And yes... Xavier Woods, back in NXT, his gimmick was like a 90s kid, and he actually was billed from Angel Grove, which is the city or town, I guess you could say, that the Power Rangers are from in the show. So his love for the Power Rangers has gone on a long time, but he's cosplayed as the Black Ranger, and he even petitioned to play the Black Ranger in the live-action reboot of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie that came out a few years ago. I remember on Twitter how he would tweet about how he wished he could play the Black Ranger, and so... I don't know why everyone picked him for blue. He was my Black Ranger. Just spoiler alert, we're going into my answers. That's my Black Ranger. Perfect choice because there's even a picture of Xavier Woods dressed as the Black Ranger in his cosplay outfit standing next to the actor who played the Black Ranger in the series, Walter Jones. So you could find that in an article in the past at Wrestling Inc. and I'll show it on my YouTube version here right now. All right, and moving on to my other Rangers. 
the Yellow Ranger, I kind of went for a different spin on things. I picked a guy for the Yellow Ranger because in the Japanese version, it's actually a guy who plays him and not a girl. So the Yellow Ranger would be Zack Sabretooth Jr. Because the animal of the Yellow Ranger is a Sabretooth Tiger. So perfect wordplay there. And then the Blue Ranger, I picked Omega because he's smart. Someone else kind of had that same thought. He's very tech savvy. So I kind of used that same answer as someone else, but it's too perfect not to use. And Red Ranger was my hardest one. I didn't know what to choose. At first, I was making a joke saying, it's got to be Red Shoes, because he's got the red shoes, and it just, he's kind of like the leader in the ring in a way. He keeps things in order. But I was like, I can't do this. I can't make it Red Shoes. He's not a wrestler. So I went with Hiromu Takahashi, because, yeah, he's a little bit crazy, but he's a good leader, and he's very agile and fast, and he's just a perfect athlete. I think he'd be great as a ranger. The pink ranger, uh, Kyrie Sane. Some people had said her for other colors, but I think she'd be great as the pink ranger. So sweet. Everyone loves her. That's why she's the perfect choice. My green and white ranger would be Chris Jericho, because he could be a healer face perfectly. And I actually picked a lot of other characters for the show instead of just the rangers zordon because he's bald i picked kurt angle he'd be perfect stone cold could have worked too but kurt angle's kind of wise and i think that would work alpha the robot i picked gato because he would just be like you know oh i'll organize things i'll book things ay 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 bulk and skull i picked um silas and beer city bruiser or it could have been kevin owens and Sami Zayn. big guy little guy obnoxious heels perfect choices i think at Take the Bump Pod said, loved your Power Ranger question this week, so it got me thinking. Power Rangers gotta fight monsters, right? So what monsterfied heels would the Russell Rangers fight? Jay White, I made him Lord Zed because he's been dressing in all red lately. Obviously, he's a very evil villain right now, just like Lord Zed. Uh, Suzuki would be Goldar, and actually, if you check out View from the Top Rope at View from Top Rope on Twitter, one of their latest podcast episodes, they answered this question, and my good friend Diesel, BTF, he definitely chose a funny choice for Goldar. He chose the golden lover, Kota Ibushi, the golden star. For Rita, I picked uh, Alexa Bliss, and because Rita likes to make her monsters grow, I picked one of her monsters would be Braun Strowman, because one, he's literally called, you know, monster, and they're referring to him as monster in the bank, but he's already big. Imagine a giant Braun Strowman. And uh, speaking of giants, like I said, Suzuki being Goldar, he also would be perfect as a giant because he was in a Japanese movie where he was a giant fighting like a giant monster. So Suzuki being a really huge tall guy, like the evil villain Goldar, it would be perfect since it happened in an actual Japanese movie. Then some of the putties would be, you know, Yanu, the Briscoes, uh, Aiden English, the Young Bucks, and then Ivan Ooze finally would be Sammy Callahan because there's ooze coming all out of him. He's drooling, blood's getting everywhere. Just like Ivan Ooze turns into ooze, Sammy Callahan is full of ooze. So there you go. That's my ridiculous choices. Pretty good, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I'll take, I'll you take, can't even flip and I'll take your enjoy word for it. it. I'll take your word for it. All right, so that was really fun. Thank you guys for sending in your answers to my little crazy pop culture scenario. You know, keeping tuned with us every week by following us on Twitter again at Two Face Pod and you could submit your answers for future segments. But, you know, that wraps up that segment. When we come back, we'll have our question and answer segment Ask Two Faced. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. 
He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Just search for The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, and you can read it for free. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and we once again want to thank our sponsor, St. Arnold Brewing, out of Houston, Texas, and a reminder that their new beer garden tasting room is now open right across the street from the brewery. It is a spectacular structure if you just go on twitter or on their uh on their website or facebook great pictures of what you can expect the uh, new room is open it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, bring a lot of visitors so if you're going to houston anytime soon make sure you check it out otherwise if you're in louisiana or texas make sure you get yourself a cold saint arnold beer at your favorite bar or grocery store yep We've uh, enjoyed many a St. Arnold on our podcast here, and I'm sure there's many more in our future to come. I would say so, yes. Yeah, check them out. I really can't say enough good things about their beers. And now we want to thank you guys for sending in your questions. There have been some really good ones this week. Again, I want to remind you one last time, if you want to send in questions, do so at TwoFacedPod on Twitter, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. Every week I send out a tweet calling for questions, so you could just respond to that. Or you can DM us on there, or you could use the hashtag AskTwoFaced, and that's TwoFaced. It has a D on the end. And obviously, we want to remind you, um, we can't get to everybody's questions. We try to either include you in the, the pop culture segment or the, uh, the question segment. We, we, we don't want to omit anybody, but uh, obviously, as our listenership grows, it's, uh, it's going to require some editing once in a while. So don't, don't take it personally if you're not in the show every week <laughs> and again i'm still going to try to release some videos where i answer a lot of the omitted questions i didn't do them from last week yet but i'm going to do a, a longer video where i just have a whole bunch of omitted questions where i answer so stay tuned to super kicking it on twitter for that all right let's start with the questions and we'll start with at bert macklin 11 what has been your favorite wrestling pay-per-view so far this year Oh, man, easy uh, <laughs> dominion for me. That was such a good show. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom was great as well, and that was at the very beginning of the year. I thought nothing could beat that show. But when you compare Wrestle Kingdom 12, which was the one I'm talking about, to last year's of 11, I really thought 11 was really great too, and almost just a little bit better, I think. So when Dominion came along, I thought it kind of even was better than Wrestle Kingdom, and it was the best show, in my opinion, that I've seen this year. I'm going to uh, say that, and maybe I'm biased because I was there, uh, I'm going to say Supercard of Honor. I thought was a great show. Um, and I, I going back to WrestleMania week when we had the discussion of how people say one or the other, whether it's NXT or Ring of Honor, I'm sure if I was at TakeOver that night, I'd have felt the same way because they were both so good. But since I was at Supercard of Honor... Uh, I think that was the best pay-per-view I've seen this year. Slammiversary was pretty good. Um, so, there, you know, there have been some good ones, and obviously the two you mentioned were great as well. You know, it's funny that you picked Supercard of Honor because there's a lot of people online saying that, you know, it was a disappointment. Even people who went who said it wasn't as good as they thought it would be. I don't know how they thought that. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed myself. And, yeah, I know there's that whole NXT TakeOver versus Supercard of Honor debate, but like we were talking about earlier – Differences of opinions, they're bound to happen, and it's okay. But I really like Supercard, and obviously you did too if that was your pick. So, next question. At Dave Pazeski says, 
and this is kind of like a very controversial thing that's been in the news. James Gunn, director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, got fired from Disney because of awful tweets that were unearthed from years prior. The exact same thing has now happened to WWE superstars, and um, I can tell you who he's talking about. It's Ty Dillinger and Cedric Alexander, and it's making its rounds online. What do you think of this practice, and what should happen to the wrestlers? Well, I'm going to go several different directions on this. Um, first of all, obviously nobody is condoning any of the things that no were said. All right? So right there, let's start with that. But secondly, I, if you don't watch the Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central, check out his episode this week because he addresses the uh, James Gunn issue and just outrage on Twitter. And I think he capsulized it probably best. I think if you went into anybody's history on anything, not just on Twitter, just growing up as kids, mm -hmm. gro you know, growing up as teenagers, I think anybody could find something objectionable. Now, some of this stuff is objectionable. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and look, Ty Dillinger knows it's bad. These baseball players that have all had to come out and apologize, they know it's bad. They're not saying... There's nothing wrong with what I said. Right. But That'd be a different story if they were saying that. Like, you know, defending it, saying, oh, it was just a joke. Calm down. But they're apologizing. I think it's at least good that they're doing that. Yeah, and look, Jim Jeffries, again, check it out on Comedy Central, because I knew we were going to talk about this this week, and it was funny because he talked about it. And he said it, too. You know, people evolve. They grow up, you know. Stupid comments that you make with your buddies or whatever you know, should not taint your life, you know? I mean, look, if any of these people we're talking about still feels this way, that's a whole different story. But if it's dopey comments among buddies, and look, all, all these are guys, obviously, um, but I'm sure there are plenty of females out there who probably said some things that they hope never get out, you know, knowing that they were joking around. I, I Look, it's we're in a weird thing in society now. Um, we're more sensitive, and that's a good thing in a lot of ways, but at, at some point we're too sensitive. Uh, you know, some things are nothing more than jokes, you know? I mean, are we going to shut down every stand-up comedian for every objectionable thing? They say we won't have stand-up comedians anymore, you know? <laughs> so it's it's a whole gray area for me because, you know, we've, we've advanced so much in taking into hurtful things into consideration. But is there a point it becomes too far, I guess, is the best way to look at it. And as far as disciplinary action, to circle back to Dave's question... I don't know. I don't know if there should be maybe a, a, a mild suspension, but mm. no, knowing these things happen, I mean, these were comments that were made six years ago. I mean, a suspension, then you're walking such an insane fine line, like, you know, comments from the past, you start finding comments on everybody, and then everybody's suspended. You know, like you kind of alluded to, there's probably stuff that everyone regrets saying at one point or another, no matter how good of a person they are, just jokes can be taken badly. It's a different time society, and a lot of stuff is out there on the internet for people to find. So, I don't know. I don't think they should be suspended because then you're like, well, you know, you're 
going on a case-by-case basis and it'd be very hard to determine what someone deserves in one case and then in another case it's like where do you draw the line I don't know it's very very difficult to answer this type of question it's a controversial subject I don't agree with the statements or the jokes at all no I'm very glad they apologized but you know it's from their past anybody could be completely different from six years ago. I feel like, you know, I'm a completely different person than I was five years ago. And five years ago really wasn't that that long in actuality, but it is in terms of development, you know, and just changing who well, you are. Well, let's put it... You, They're in WWE now, and they weren't in WWE before, so well, that's you, one thing. You talk about how, many, how people change and develop. You weren't even watching wrestling five years ago. True. How about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a newer fan. I've learned so much in five years, so, you know... Over five years ago, I wouldn't even be having this conversation because I wouldn't even know who these wrestlers were. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Like, like you know, don't hold these guys to these past comments. At least they apologized. And um, I kind of agree with our friend Sam at Snack Saber Jr. To quote her again, she says, here's my opinion with Cedric and Ty because I already have people asking about it. Because, again, as females, we're going to be asked about it, especially because, you know, what the joke's involved. But people can be a lot different six years ago to who they are now. We all grow up and mature, hopefully. It was effed up. It was very stupid. But it was also six years ago. And then she goes on and says, Six-plus years ago, jokes like that were made constantly as edgy, stupid humor. It was never okay, but it was a different time with humor. I would hope they would never say that now. People aren't irredeemable or unchangeable from who they used to be, or we'd all be sacks of crap, essentially. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I think people evolve. Um, you know, people grow up, and, you know, I think something you would say is a joke, and again, the key part of that is joke, years ago you learn okay that's not tasteful that's that's not something i believe in or, or anything now so again it's a fine line and you know we're i feel like we're just at the tip of the iceberg of these kind of things so yeah it's a shame in terms of you know nobody wants somebody looking at their old stuff like from when they were teenagers or many years ago or young early adulthood and use it against them now but it's these celebrities who are under the microscope that it ends up happening to. And it's just like, it's hard to say what to do. So thanks for your question. We don't have a, you know, exact, <laughs> definite answer, but... We have opinions like everybody else on yep. this. And I'm sure there are people, like you said right back at the beginning of the show, that are going to completely disagree with us, and that's fine. Yep, that's uh, okay. We, we hope to hear your answers on it as well. Uh, next question is from at dsmooth210. For the Evolution pay-per-view, do you think we'll have an all-women commentary team? And what three ladies would you like to see call the action? I don't think we'll have all three commentators replaced because I feel like they need somebody who has experienced, you know, keeping the flow of a pay-per-view going. So I think Michael Cole is going to end up staying on the commentary team. But I do think there's going to be at least one, maybe two, but I'm thinking it's more going to be one woman on the team. And I would have said Lita because she's already done a lot of the WWE stuff, and she still might except for the match that everybody assumes she will be in. Maybe she will still be a part of it. Obviously, Renee Young will be a part of it. Who knows who else we could end up seeing, you know, if there's somebody who won't be able to wrestle but can commentate. Uh, you know, I mean, I think there are a lot of possibilities there. But... I'd love to see Renee Young. She is so good just talking about wrestling, and she seems really passionate. She's knowledgeable. Um, and I believe, if I'm correct, she used to somewhat be on the commentary team back in the 
infancy of NXT. You know, back when it was really, like, not as polished as now, but I remember when I was first watching and it was like Emma was on there. I really think that Renee was on there. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she'd be great regardless if, if she's done it or not. Um, I really like her voice and the way she knows about wrestling. Yeah, I think when it's all said and done, I, I see, like, Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and somebody. Probably Lita, if, uh... I don't want it to be Lita. I mean, on commentary, she sometimes gets, like, you know, messed up. I think she could be in a match. Yeah. Like, a, a multi-woman match. I think she'd be better suited for that, and people would be more excited to see her in that role. Whereas, like, maybe somebody like Beth Phoenix, but I think she could still go, too, because she was in the Royal Rumble. So, like I said, Renee has never really been a wrestler. I think she'd be the perfect choice. We'll see. All right, uh, great question. And now go, going to our next question at Jason underscore Span with two N's. If you could choose one person in the wrestling business to have a Netflix original series based on their life, who would it be and who would play them in the series? I thought this was a hard question. Um, if you want me to go first. Yeah, go ahead. I think I'm going to say Will Ospreay because he's my favorite, number one. Two, I don't know. I'd love to know more about him, and he just seems so much fun, I don't know, and he's such a great wrestler, and I really picked him more so of who I think could play him, because I thought it would be a funny answer, um, Tom Hardy. I think <laughs> that'd be an awesome Will Ospreay. Oh gosh, that'd be so cool. Uh, I would love to see something on Chris Jericho. I think he's had a fascinating wrestling life, and then you put in the whole rock star thing, and I will say the person to play him, who's done some acting and is a rock star, John Bon Jovi. Oh my god, yeah, because they... Chris Jericho do... looks like John Bon Jovi with the haircut right now, too. People say that all the time, like, when they're talking to Jericho on his podcast. I know he said in the past, like, oh, people always are calling me like I'm, you know, Bon Jovi or something. <laughs> and so he makes fun of that, and that's such a perfect choice. That would be great. And again, I just pulled that one out of my posterior as well. So. <gasps> Whatever. The brilliance of Paul Boren. <laughs> Whatever. Don't get a swollen head or anything. It's swollen, but... <laughs> well, I think if we were going to pick somebody who wasn't a wrestler, Vince McMahon would be an interesting person to look at his life. And going back to the whole Jericho thing, on one of the recent episodes of his podcast, Talk is Jericho, he was saying about, you know, books and how he's written his best-selling book about his life and his wrestling journey and a whole bunch of other stuff. He said, man, he thinks Vince would write a great book, you know, and have so many great stories to tell. But Vince is always like, no, I'll never write a book. So, who would play Vince McMahon? I don't know. Who would play him? Who is like a lording? Conor what? McGregor could do the walk, but he couldn't <laughs> do the role. Well, why don't you tweet us? Who could play Vince McMahon? That, that would be a good answer. Yeah, we want to know. Yeah, give us some answers on who would be a good Vince McMahon in a movie. Because I can't really come tough. up with somebody, but I'm sure somebody can come up with a really good answer. You know that guy who's um, who says, I forgot his name, let's get ready to rumble? Yeah. The announcer? Michael you, Buffer? You think he could play a good one? He kind of looks like him. Yeah, but uh, you want somebody who has that personality. Just because that guy utters one line and kind of... No, not because of the line, the look. Kind of. Anybody could act like somebody else. I guess. I, I want... Tim I, Hardy's nothing like Will Ospreay. I want, a, play I want a real Hollywood actor to be Vince McMahon. All right, let's, like, give us your choices, please. Yes. We need to know. And just uh, just tweet us at, at uh, TwoFacePod and uh, throw in your answer. All right, so another question from Jason Spann. What are some things you two like to watch other than wrestling? And just to show that we're not all just about wrestling. I mean, I love horror movies. I love 90s cartoons. So we're well-rounded people, hence why we have a pop culture and wrestling segment. <laughs> um, 
well, for me, right off the bat, sports. Yeah. yeah, sports. I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm a Bruins fan, I'm a Celtics fan. Now I'm a Bruins fan, too, yes, and a Celtics yeah. fan. Uh, we'll get we'll get you on the Red Sox, too, here in the postseason. I don't know. Um, TV-wise, I, I like, uh, I, I really loved the, the Americans, which just made, it finished its run. It was one of my favorite TV shows. I'm a big fan of uh, Animal Kingdom on TNT right now. Uh, Terrible acting. <laughs> I disagree. I think it's very good. It's but, not. But uh, I love TV too. But I'm very picky on like Paul. But about TV. I I do have a ton of TV shows. Uh, but like four hundred. But my go-to on t- television, and I could watch anytime right now. Family Guy. For me, it's Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld's there for me too. But Family Guy is number one. In that Scrubs regard. is pretty great too as a comedy. <laughs> the Office, uh, I, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I could go on forever. I mean, there's way too many. Buffy, uh, there's too many. Um, I love TV. That's another thing that we have in common. But I, I'm just way more picky about it, I guess. So our next question comes from Golden Graham at Mr. Bagshaw. Uh, after the WWE chanted "We want Roman," which we didn't talk about, which was actually shocking that it the was. crowd was. Channing, we want Roman on Raw this week. That was weird. Uh, what is the most surprising chance either of you have ever heard? I know you're going to probably have to think a moment before you answer, but I actually was surprised when we were at, I think it was Raw After Mania. I can't remember where it was, but Elias getting the audience to chant... We are scumbags. We are scumbags. <laughs> yeah. Yes, how'd you know? <laughs> that was great. That was. I was like, okay, he's so over that he's getting the audience to admit that they're scumbags. That, to me, is gold, and that's why I think that's the most surprising chant. Well, I mean, you saying that just made me think of being at uh, the Raw after WrestleMania when the John Cena Sucks song oh, I love went that. throughout the crowd. That was big. The whole crowd singing the Bray Wyatt song. He's got the whole world. That was pretty good. That was organic, uh, too. That yeah, just happened. I yeah, love that. that. Which is some of the best chants do come after that. I will say I was surprised, and this goes back to our a question last week. When Jinder Mahal won the title, there were, and I know we use, we say this chant is overused, which fell into our chant thing. But people were actually chanting, you deserve it to Jinder Mahal. And oh, I, gosh. I was shocked by that because, again, as I said last week, like six months later, he was a jobber, basically. And then six th- months earlier, yeah. yeah and then, then suddenly he's, he's the champ. I know, that's odd. And it's funny how now we're talking about, like, chants we like because I'm glad we're flipping the coin on this because we were so negative about so many chants last week. If you didn't catch the episode, we talked about a poll about the most annoying wrestling chants, and there was lots of responses. Uh, but this week, it's kind of fun to give chants we actually like. And, and like I said, We Are Scumbags is kind of one of them because it was so weird, but great. All right, so next question. Uh, this is from at Mr. Dose 2 Will Undertaker need to break something in his body before he officially has his last match in WWE? Surely he can match Flair's retirement age, but what could his last match be? It's hard to say because, man, I really wish he would have retired after facing, you know, Brock Lesnar. Or or if he didn't want that, maybe he could have had an actual real match against Cena this past WrestleMania instead of that crazy weird match that was so short and odd. It was, it was a, a sham. Dr- yeah. Right, it was a dream match, and yet they failed to deliver. I know he's older, but I don't know. If he's just going to have these types of matches where it's kind of like very strange and kind of a letdown, I think he should retire. If he really is that unhealthy to wrestle and can't you know, go to distance, then don't. You know, but I would have loved to have seen Sting, but of course that's impossible. 
we'll uh we'll see what he does uh of course he's got that match against triple h coming up later this year in that big show in australia at the cricket stadium and uh they've had great matches in the past so we'll see maybe that'll be his last match but i can't it's got to be on a wrestlemania stage and it's got to be on ending with a win i would think if he wasn't going to go out after roman reigns beat him you know and he seemingly retired i would think he's going to go out with a win I know, so what was the point of the Cena thing if it wasn't a great match, it wasn't a long match, and it was supposed to be, like, Roman who defeated him? I yeah. mean, it's just very odd. No, I know, and I, look, we love seeing The Undertaker, we love hearing that, that music hit, but it's it's hard to watch him wrestle now, too. Yeah, it is. You kind of, like, hurt for him, just because it seems like it's so hard for him to move around. And, okay, that brings us to our final question, at Z-A-C-S-H-I-130. What non-confirmed New Japan talent would you like to see at G1 Supercard? Who do you hope are champions come G1 Supercard? And if Nakamura, Anderson, and Gallows have left WWE, do you see them being on G1 Supercard? All right. Well, we're both in agreement on uh, the first question. Suzuki. Yes. <laughs> the second question for me, I would, you know, want Suzuki to be champion. Yeah. I mean, IC champion, probably. I'd love to see him get the IC belt back, but that's impossible, probably, because... You know, who knows what's going to happen with Jericho. He isn't going to be able to defend that title for a long time, and he's probably going to have a rematch with Naito. So even though, you know, not, they don't necessarily do rematches, but I don't know who else he's going to face. I don't think Evil is a high enough, kind of like a, a high enough caliber match to to do. Right. So I don't know. What do you think? Who, who would you like to see as champion? Well, I mean, Suzuki, uh, I'd like to... Whether he's a champion or not, I hope Osprey is on the show one way or the other. Oh, um, I'm sure he will be. And, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how the. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of champions that uh, can change hands here in the next uh, few months before that happens. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I don't think any of those guys are leaving. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Anderson, Anderson, and Gallows left just because they're being underutilized in mm. WWE. But but they don't seem unhappy no. so i don't think they're gonna leave no they're making good money you know they're comfortable they i don't think they're gonna leave but if any of those three had left wwe and gone back to new japan they would definitely be on that show i think oh yeah of course if they had left uh i can't wait for g1 supercard tickets go on sale in less than a week yeah for honor club members and a little bit longer for the general public so look out for that uh stay tuned to rohwrestling.com man i'm I'm almost more excited about that than WrestleMania. But again, WrestleMania, there's like nothing on the table yet. We don't know what it's going to be. But uh, we could probably speculate a little bit more about G1. But either way, I know it's going to be awesome. Thank you guys so much for your questions. As always, we enjoy hearing from you. We enjoy answering your questions. And if you have opinions on what you want us to talk about or other questions to submit, again, one last final plug. Tweet at us at Two Faced Pod on Twitter. And reminder, who could play Vince McMahon? Yeah, we need to know. <laughs> I really have no earthly idea at all. I have no ideas. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably come up with some by the time later. We read it. <laughs> yeah, when I'm editing, I'll probably be like, "Oh, we should have said him or her." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who her would be, but that would be interesting. <laughs> There's been females playing male roles. Maybe that's the only way it could happen. <laughs> could be. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to close out the show and send them home. What do you got, Kelsey? 
So, um, I want to remind everybody, if you're not looking at this video on YouTube, if you're listening, go to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel and subscribe because I'll be doing some interesting videos for them in the future, including a Reigns and Brock Lesnar ranking video where I rank their matches because they've had quite a few matches against each other in the recent past. I'll be ranking them from worst to best. So stay tuned for that. Plus we'll have other ranking and list videos on there. And we'll be uploading some past pop and wrestling segments from our old podcast episodes, including one about Die Hard, where we asked if you were Hans Gruber, which wrestlers would you choose to help you rob Nakatomi Tower? So we'll be uploading that. We'll be uploading the Power Rangers one with a whole bunch of graphics and stuff. Subscribe to Wrestling Inc. on YouTube so you don't miss that stuff that I'll be working very hard on. Yep, a lot of good content coming to Wrestling Inc. Make sure you look out for that and obviously on her personal channel as well, Super Kicking It with Kelsey. Yep, I'll have uh, some stuff on there as well. Closing out the show for me, I'm going to kind of go back to something we talked about uh, probably three months ago, probably during the uh, Super Ju- Best of Super Juniors, but... New Japan's tournament format is one of the great things in wrestling, and I wish WWE could find a way to replicate it uh, through their house shows or whatever, and I've talked about that in the past. But the angle I want to take is something we talked about watching the shows this week, that every match feels like it has a significance. That even Yoshihashi or Yanu, who you know are not going to win the tournament, they still bring something to the table. They, They still bring something where you think they might actually win. And Yoshihashi is a perfect example. His last two matches, you know he's not going to win the tournament. But his match against Okada was incredible. And his most recent match against Tanahashi, he dominated the entire match. It was much like the Suzuki match against Tanahashi, where Tanahashi just kind of stole it almost late. But you believed Yoshihashi was going to win. You know Yanu is going to pull an upset. He already upset Ibushi. He may upset somebody else. And that's some of the brilliance of the G1 and and best of Super Juniors. But G1 especially because it's such a bigger tournament. There's so many wrestlers. And upsets are going to happen much like, you know, any other real sport where upsets could happen. And I think that's part of the brilliance of the G1. And that's why it's worth watching night after night because you really don't know how... Somebody big might fall. I mean, Kenny Omega still has to face Yanu, I think. I think so, yeah. And you know what? I'm really actually excited, and it's kind of funny to say that you're excited to stay up really late in the middle of the night to watch wrestling, but it's always a fun experience, and I am planning to stay up for the finals. So the G1 is such a good tournament, and it's worth staying up for, and it's worth watching an insane amount of wrestling for <laughs> because it's it's not just thrown together matches like we're all used to seeing on some mainstream television wrestling shows, but... What could you be referring to? Hmm, I don't know. But it's really great quality, and I think that's what sets it apart from anything else going on in wrestling. Yeah, it's fun, and we still have uh, several more nights of it to enjoy, so looking forward to it. Yep, definitely. Great closing out the show, Paul. And we want to say thank you guys for watching or listening. We appreciate it. And please stay tuned for next week, because we'll be coming to you every Friday. Thanks so much. That's the finish.